Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Art Gelwicks. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to our listeners to this episode of Productivity Cast. Today, we're going to be doing a year in review and a year in preview for personal productivity, both in the world of productivity and in our system. So, we're just going to cover some of the notable things that we kind of noticed this particular year. And it was a kind of an odd year, considering we've been dealing with the pandemic over the past two years. And so, we're going to highlight some of the notable items there. We're then going to talk a little bit about the things that we think uh, happened notably in our own personal productivity systems or kind of in our world, and then uh, what would like to what we'd like to you know happen again, the good things, and what we'd like to be different, the areas of improvement, so to speak. And then we'll talk a little bit about what we're planning for 2022. For those of you who kind of follow and pay attention to what we're doing out there in the world, you can kind of see uh, and uh, follow along with us as we make these kinds of uh, implementations into our own worlds. And so let's start off with what were the kind of notable productivity events of 2021? What were the things that you really noticed in the personal productivity world that happened? I mean, I think the biggest things that everybody is knee deep in right now and have truly recognized that it wasn't necessarily new in 2021, but it became part of our norm is the understanding that the office as we used to know it has changed working from home, hybrid from work, full remote work, whatever you want to call it is here and it's not going anywhere. It's no longer just a perk. It's no longer just a fun thing that you occasionally get to do. This this is a f- part of the new norm and will not be going away. And from a personal productivity standpoint, it changes the dynamic for us because now we don't have that clear dividing line of getting up, driving, you know, commuting into an office, working at a different location, and then coming back home and having that separation for if you had that separation at all to start with. Now that's completely gone because now work is in your house. So I think the impact of that in 2021 is forcing us not only personally and professionally, but on a deep individual level to rethink what productivity really means to us, to avoid overwhelm, to avoid burnout, um, to really have a sense as to that this is what is important to me. Do you think that that means that for the, for the, vast majority of people who still do need to go into an office environment, and there still are going to be people who need to do that. There's no question, plus the folks who want to. And does that mean that we all have to be, in essence, like road warriors? We have to understand how to use our mobile technology better. What has this year really taught us about the fact that because if every organization in some way, shape, or form is hybrid and work is happening in different locations at different times. How do we how do we deal with that switch context happening across an entire organization? See, I think this is one of those situations where the information workers are getting a little dose of reality. Because if you think about most professions, let's say for example, a carpenter or a plumber or something like that, they will go to a job site. 
they will take their tools with them. They will go, they will do their work. They will work as long as they need to. They will come back. But that's not their office as per se. Information workers, especially in a corporate environment, have gotten spoiled to say, oh, I will come in. My computer will be there. It will be set up for me. My desk will be there. They'll give me a nice office chair. And it doesn't have to be that way. And it isn't that way anymore. Those of us who have worked remotely or or worked in environments where we go to client sites and things like that, we're used to going in with everything in our world in our backpack or our computer bag and setting up and working and leaving. So there's no harm in that. There's no harm in getting comfortable with that type of a a road warrior mentality, not so much to the degree of, oh, everything has to be, you know, maximum in functionality, minimum in size. But we have to be thinking about flexibility. And we have to also take responsibility because we are now responsible for a lot of this stuff. IT is not going to come and set stuff up at your house for you. You become truly responsible for things like your internet connection, getting your mouse working, those types of things. And it's just, it's going to sound a little harsh, but this is when people actually have to grow up about this stuff, especially professionals. Yes, I'm, I'm laughing. As you say, they need to grow up because they should have grown up many, many years ago. But but it's true, you know, in, in, in those lines. Yes, now you're going to be... But it's, it's even more complex and deep like that. You know, you are seeing on manufacturing now that the production workers, okay, that, that's those people who is in the line, who, okay, who has been traditionally, they still need to go into the office, okay? They need to manage production. They need to help with all that are asking HR, okay, why the other people can be hybrid and we cannot? How can we get our schedules more human? Because normally you have, you know, three shifts, you know, the shift in the morning, the shift in the midday, the shift in the night. And the shift on the night for most people is like the worst shift, the punishment shift. And now they're asking, well, how we can make it better? Because otherwise we are going to start looking for other solutions. And as you said, people is discovering, okay, now I don't have that IT to help me connect my computer and fix it. And they are need to go out of their comfort zone. And that is at every level. We're not talking about the entry level guy. We're talking about the BPs and, and the high level in the food chain. Given on some of them, they still can call. The IT may not come, but may remotely log in into their computer and help them fix. But it is a problem that we are seeing every day. The good news with all this is that most people experience what the quote-unquote geeks has experienced for years in software, in teamwork, in how to make these things more effectively into, no, we don't need to sit into that conference room for two hours. We can make it in 15 minutes in a Zoom call or a Google Meet or a Google or or a Teams. And that, I think, is showing a lot of people in that corporate world that it can be done better. Now we are going to come for a long period of resistance. You know, what we have been listening, oh, the big uh, quitting thing that is coming. Well, that is part of the resistance. And it's the resistance of the old school saying we are not going to make the change. And the new younger generations are or, or geeks in this case, coming and saying, well, if you don't change, we're leaving. And that is going to be a really, or make for a really interesting thing in the year to come. 
the, the pathway to or being more productive is going to be more clear because we're online. The fact that we're online means that now we can actually, we, we, we must actually measure certain things, not must, but the, the software we're using is going to start telling us, it's going to start giving us analytics about our productivity. You know, for example, at some point in time, Google Meets and Zoom will start to give you back analytics that tell you how well the meetings are being run. At some point, they're going to aggregate those statistics and say that you're spending X number of hours in a year uh, in meetings. And at some point, someone is going to say, well, how can you cut back the number of meetings by a half and still accomplish the same result? So one of the side effects of all this is that because we're using more online tools, we'll have more online data so that we can actually make more concrete improvements. That's a, that's a big plus over the analog world where you could literally sit in a meeting in a room for three hours and accomplish nothing. It's much harder to do that when the analytics are actually going to be catching up with you, with the behavior. And, and even better, if you, know, if you have some AI built in, it could prompt you and say, this meeting is over time. Do you really want another hour? You know, these things are, these things will help us to be more productive. But that's just one example. There is lots of them, I think. And I think there's many more coming. It's just that those who think that we're going to go back to the way things are, are probably dragging those who think that we're not going to go back to the way things are and that we, we need brand new tools to help us to do, to move forward. So I think there's still a bit of a stall about whether the new normal is going to be the old normal or it's going to be something at a whole different level. So I, th I think it's going to be a whole, we're going to unleash productivity tools like we've never seen before. Yeah, I think I need to agree with you. I don't know if we are going to unleash productivity tools as we have never seen before, or we are going to see an engagement with productivity tools as we have never seen before, where the non Productivity geeks, the non-productivity enthusiasts are going to come now into, okay, you need to teach me how to use Trello and you need to teach me how to really make this work in this world. And that is going to make it really, really interesting. I think in line with that, I think this is something that I found interesting and I'm, I'm curious about what you all see in this particular space. But this year, we saw a, a number of notable investments in productivity software. Several companies like ClickUp and others have gotten pretty substantial investments in their activities. Some uh, companies went public. Uh, and so we are seeing in the in the what we consider team and workplace productivity software space, more development at a really fast clip. But also the fact of the matter is, is that we're seeing financial investment, which means we're going to see companies be around a little bit longer. And so I, I, I use the example of ClickUp, you know, they've gotten nearly half a billion dollars in uh, total funding. They only started in 2017. Here we are in 2021, the end of 2021, and they've continued to gain momentum. And they are somewhat of a darling among personal productivity enthusiasts except for the fact that they are a team and workplace collaboration software. They're not designed for a personal productivity system necessarily. And what we see in the personal productivity world is that we who are very cued into the personal productivity space, you know, whether that be task management software or basically project management light software, we jump on those software very early on. And some are winners and some are losers in the markets. And those impact our systems in really interesting and unique ways. And so I, I just noticed that this year that we got quite a bit of development energy behind a lot of the 
online collaboration tools, the the tools like Zoom and Google Meet and even Apple uh, uh, FaceTime was uh, was extended to to uh, have links so you can join those FaceTime meetings via via non Apple devices. I mean, we're really seeing some some growth in spaces that I didn't think we'd ever see. All right. And and yet, at the same time, we're seeing more and more money pour into that market because of what art was talking about earlier in terms of remote work being here to stay. And so I don't know if any, any of you have any any thoughts on that. Um, then we could talk a little bit about kind of the ecosystem uh, consolidation integration. Go ahead, Art. Yeah, for it's always good to see investments in these types of companies because it gives you confidence that they're actually going to be around. That being said, I mean, we see companies like Google pulling out, pulling the rug out from under apps all the time. So that by no means is a guarantee. I think the difference, though, between a Google is that it's a single project within Google's very large ecosystem. So they can pull a project out, and it makes no difference to their bottom line revenues. They're an advertising company, and they could just they could toss it out. When if Asana were to take their product suite and toss it out, that's the end of the company, right? Well, and <laughs> let me let me quantify because we are talking about personal productivity. If you take something, let's say for example, Notion decides to pivot, sees where the money is, and they decide to go primarily enterprise. Well, everybody who's gone through and built a lot of personal productivity stuff within Notion winds up, you know, in a set of dire straits. So when you have a large investment like that in a, co a company, it's good to know that, that at least that company is going to be around and you're not going to have to execute your exit plan right away. That said, I am still a little concerned about what could possibly be a productivity and collaboration bubble that's starting to grow. Uh, we've seen a lot of companies come to come to fruition during this time period, providing web services, providing uh, video services, collaboration applications. And there's a lot of smaller ones that aren't getting this investment like we're talking about and that are likely to disappear as things shift. Now, the only thing offsetting the whole bubble concept would be the fact that this isn't going away right away. So there is still a continuing need. But I think this is an important thing to take into consideration. If you're looking at, at platforms and tools that are getting a good financial investment, it should give you a little bit of a warm, fuzzy feeling that at least they're going to be there tomorrow. But plan like they're not. I think you always should plan that they're not going to be forever. And that's the reason I always said, you know, if that piece of software do not have an extra strategy and you cannot export your data, don't even play with it, you know, walk away. The older people who remember that thing they I read on the books called Y2K, I don't remember what happened. But as I read on the books, you know, the Y2K really put tech into the map. We discovered, oh, this is important. Having these investments, important investments, having now these companies going into the stock market for the first time, being on the financial market's attention, I think is going to put personal productivity in the map. You know, this has been for so many years, the geek and enthusiast world. And I think finally is going to start getting to the masses. And that is going to be incredibly well for everybody. I put a link into the show notes for everyone to look at. And this is about this kind of space of who is getting funded and why they're being funded. A very interesting protocol article that I highly recommend anyone who's interested to kind of look at. That takes us kind of to our, our third, this takes us to our third area of 
what has really happened this year in 2021, which is, I, I, I and Augusto, you can speak to this, which is the, the consolidation and integration of many of the ecosystems. Talk a little bit about how people are going um, Apple-y. <laughs> you know, well, they are. You know, Apple has been famous for integrating their platforms, you know, their Mac, their iPad, their phone, and and you can go really easy from one to the other and have the same information and they have synchronized almost successfully and almost all the time in a, in a really good way. But when you were to the other side, when you were a Windows or you were an Android, now you didn't have that ease of synchronization. And what we've seen this year with Samsung and Android was, no, no, let's bring that experience to And Samsung was the flagship with this integrating Samsung with Windows, and then Google came after and said, okay, we're doing it too with Windows 11, and you will be able to put your Android applications into the Windows machine and all that. And I think that is incredible because what that is going to allow users is what Apple people has been able to enjoy for a long time. That is, I start working on my phone and get to my office and continue on the iPad and get to the Mac and continue on the Mac. And it is almost invisible what I do. I just pick the device that will be more appropriate for this job. That's bringing to the other side, to the Windows side, to the Android side. It's going to allow people to experience that jump in productivity. When you are now picking the device that is better for the situation and not the software. Software now gets to be invisible and you are really choosing what's going to be the hardware that is more appropriate for this. I have to say, I've been doing this for a long time just by installing into all of my devices the Google parts. And so, you know, no matter what device I'm on, I'm using Google technology on all of them. You know, that is Google software. And now we're seeing the operating system and hardware developers get the point, which is that the more integration, the greater the workflow success for the individual using your software, which means they'll be interested in actually buying your hardware again and again and again. And at the end of the day, we are buying software when we're buying hardware. And we need to kind of rationalize and deal with all of the fact of of the reality that is when you buy, say, something in your home IoT setup, that is really a, a piece of software that you're buying. It just happens to have a hardware vessel and it's being auto-updated, it's changing over time. There's a there's a different perspective we need to think about when it comes to these pieces of technology that we buy, the physical objects, when in reality, the things that bind them together are what allow us to be more productive. And we need to start thinking through how those things work together and push back against the companies that go ahead and lock us out of being able to connect those tools together. I want my phone and my tablet and my, my laptop and my desktop devices to work seamlessly together to make me more productive. Don't lock me out of connecting those tools in, in ways that, that, make a, that, that, that um, hold me back from my highest potential. And I think that we're starting to see that happen as Augusto noted. I agree to a certain point. We are seeing that, uh, but we're also seeing the classic dilemma of siloization and, and getting locked into ecosystems. I mean, it, it, 
we've always seen it. If you're an Apple user, you tend to gravitate to, to the Apple ecosystem just because default things work together. Uh, Samsung has started to more in, more actively embrace that model. I think we'll see even more companies doing the same type of thing. And you, and you have to be careful about it. We talk about this on, on cross-platform all the time. When you get locked into a singular ecosystem, uh, things may be smoother, but your options are more limited. And you're right. Being able to connect and cross, cross things over between devices, between systems. If I choose a piece of hardware that falls outside that ecosystem, am I limiting my options? So that has to be a consideration. It is, it is nice. It's convenient. Don't get me wrong there. I mean, if you know that everything you buy is going to happily work with each other, that sure makes life easy. You just have to understand what you're giving up to get to that point. I agree with you when you can choose the device. You know, when I go and choose, okay, I'm going to work on an iPad, I agree. I choose to, to limit my options. But I think the face of this and part of the importance of this change massively when you cannot pick that device. When now corporate gives you, here is your shiny and beautiful Dell, and you need to live with this thing. And this thing, now I can go and integrate my phone into this thing to make not only work better, but my personal productivity integrate better with that working machine. And I think that's when this, it's going to mean a change. And again, as we have discussed, you know, remote work is here. The, it seems like the apps for and the software for personal productivity are getting and gaining momentum. Same with the apps for organizational productivity. I think this consolidation piece will now allow the universality of the devices, regardless if you got a Dell for work or you have now a Samsung at home. If you manage that environment, in this case, you decide your Mac, or your Windows, okay, and everything else will integrate that way, people will find, in general, a lot more productivity than before. Yeah, and I know that I'm I'm a bit of an edge case because I use pretty much every operating system, every major operating system is on my desk at the present moment. And so I, I know that I'm very unique in this case, but I also think that the integration across these systems, taking the lead with Samsung, integrating with Microsoft Windows uh, through the Android operating system, I think is just a really good step in the right direction for folks like me who do have to work cross operating systems, right? We're not choosing a particular operating system and it's purposeful in those choices. For the folks who are unfortunately crossing platforms in that sense, I think this will also benefit them. But I think for those of us who are productivity minded and know that we want to be able to work across different hardware and different operating systems that we're capable of having that work just a wee bit better. Those were really our thoughts on what happened in productivity in 2021. Let's move on to some of the notable things that happened in our own personal productivity systems this year and what we'd like to happen again next year what we would like not to happen again next year <laughs> and uh, looking in the rearview mirror, uh, so to speak. Yeah. 2021 has been a year of reevaluation for me. I've gone through from the ground up and reevaluate, reevaluated how I use Todoist, OneNote, Notion, all my primary tools, because this is a good opportunity, at least I've found, 
to realize how overcomplicated I have made my systems in many cases. And taking advantage of, of this shift in how the world works has given me a chance to say, okay, am I keeping too much stuff? Am I over planning? Am I over engineering what I've got in place? That's been, especially in the second half of 2021, been my real primary push. The other thing is to finally use my calendars effectively. I've always struggled with calendars. We talked about this in previous shows. Uh, I've started to really make a concerted effort to put events on calendars in the right ways and create the recurring structures that are really going to be beneficial to me and make that more of an integral integral part of my processes rather than just kind of having them show up there every so often. Finally, uh, Gusto and I launched this year the uh, cross-platform pro- podcast, which talks about productivity regardless of tool or technology. So it, it was... It was fun to get that ball rolling. We've actually had a bunch of shows already. We've hit, I think, 20 already. And we're just going to continue pressing that in 2021. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where that's going. So based on that conversation that you've been having with Augusto on cross-platform, do you feel like your utilization of tools across platforms has changed this year? It's forcing me, because of the because the show is just that. It It is not platform restricted. It is truly platform agnostic. Uh, it does make me think a little bit more of asking the question every time, am I locking myself into something? What's the risk of doing something? Uh, we've seen this year a lot of new hardware come out. We've seen a lot of new computers come out. And when we go, when you go through that period of, hey, maybe I'll think about upgrading my machine or I'll you know buy a new laptop or something. Now the question becomes actively, am I making that choice because of a specific piece of software? What is the the larger benefit and what am I giving up by making that specific choice? It, it broadens my horizons a little bit when questioning the choices I'm making within my system. Totally understand that. Having, having just gotten a new Samsung Galaxy Watch hey, 4. There we go. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> I am I am uniquely frustrated with Samsung and their and their Samsung guts um and uh and Google not doing a better job of integrating with the watch. But, you know, these are the these are the trade-offs you make when you get new technology and you're working cross, you know, this Wear OS is not truly a Google only operating system. It is it is this weird melange of of trade-offs and you do that when you deal with cross-platform issues. What I want to mention of that is exactly what Art was saying, you know, because I've been also working, I launched the the first part of the Getting Things Done together with Nosby Teams. And I am uh, officially now a Nosby Team specialist. And there is big things coming for 2022 on this. But one of the things is I need to get better into this cross-platform. So, my almost exclusively iPad-only office now had a Chromebook uh, because I need to be able to be good at this. So when people ask questions on Nosby Teams, Nosby Teams works on any application, how that works. I want to be able to understand the technology. And also for the first time in many, many years, there is a PC on my office for the same reason. Given it's still a virtual PC, I'm not going to buy hardware. It's just running inside of the Mac with parallels. But but it's still, it's a PC. Okay, there has been no PCs in my office, I think, since 2007. So 
But the reason of that is being able to respond better to the inquiries, being able to explain where are you, where are you now? I can really go and test and respond questions on any platform that you are, uh, except Linux. Yet, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be that. That may be 2023, but that's what it's been for me, and it's been a great year. Um, and I'm really looking forward to 2022. I changed my. The basic equipment this year, a new laptop, new phone. So the, the year was really about making core hardware changes because those are, these are the two devices I use the most and um, just returning to the formal levels of productivity. And, and I've become marginally more effective because the laptop is a lot faster, the, the phone is a lot faster, has more memory. So I can do a few more things, but I wouldn't say that I've, I've had a, a fundamental change in any of my processes. The one thing that did change, however, is the use of Once Hub. So taking a leaf from your notebook and seeing how you used it, Ray, uh, I, I, I think I had, a, I had a Canonly account somewhere before, but I never really used it. But now I use the thing like I don't, I don't schedule any meetings without it. And it's been a game changer. And that's been the big change that, that that's you know that that's the big the big convenience the the it's it streamlined all of my meetings it's it handles the daylight savings time mess when things change it handles the multiple time zones which I'm always I always have to contend with um, it puts the onus on the other person to find a convenient time for them it keeps meetings when I want them in the afternoons it's Game changer. So that's the big that's the big shift I made today this year in terms of my processes. Yeah, I think that I think the calendar schedulers and next, I, I really hope that calendar schedulers start to integrate with each other. So that say that you use OneHub, I use Calendly. Those two things can talk to each other, so that they would, in essence, be able to help speed up the process of being able to schedule and also to reschedule because that's another thing that. I love about OneHub is the rescheduling function is just so easy on on a number of levels because I can cancel a meeting within OneHub and let people know that they need to reschedule and it takes them to OneHub to be able to do so. So there's a there's a lot of really nice underlying process there that really can happen. So excited for for you that you uh, invested in that in 2021 and looking forward to more productivity success with your calendar scheduling in 2022. <laughs> I guess I should learn to reschedule because I've just been canceling. <laughs> yeah, there's people. a... There's Use a, a link again. <laughs> no, no, there's a whole function within OneHub for you to be able to cancel a meeting and, and generate a message to them so that they're basically facilitated through, which means that they don't actually have to re-enter information that they had before, right? So the title of the meeting and the, any other information that you've tracked from the individual is already in the system, and they don't need to re-put that information in in there, which is, is really nice. I guess one of the things I really like about OneHub is that it's a citizen leave it kind of software it's it it it's it's taught I, I, if i went to the site today i would be amazed at what's in it because i wouldn't remember seeing it before because it's it's such a transparent activity it really does take away all of the mess so i haven't even been into the back end i think i went into the back end once once to add a to add a new block of potential meetings on wednesday mornings or something like that that's remarkable for a year and a half 
for a, a year, a year of use. I've only made one change and I've not been inside it since then. And it provides so much value for the investment of time and money. Yeah, that is remarkable. And and I, I the, the funny part is I, I approve every meeting or you know someone on my team does. And so we're in one sub all the time because of that. And so I think it's a little bit, little bit different. You're not approving them. You're just having them schedule in the times that you've set. And so it just becomes an, an issue of how you use the tool becomes how, um, you know, helpful it is to go in or not go into the system. But do know that 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 function does exist. You can you can cancel meetings. Actually, if you just click on the cancel meeting in the in the event itself that's created, that will take you to OneSub and then facilitate you through the process. So every calendar event has that cancellation link in it. And if you Google Calendar yeah, well, I mean, if it creates it in your Google Calendar, yes, then it will go ahead and and uh, give you that cancellation link. It'll say like cancel or reschedule, and even though it's for the user, when you log in, it'll recognize that it's you, the the owner, the admin of the account, and therefore you'd be able to go ahead. Um, you have to be logged in though, so it recognizes that you're the owner ad. But wonderful, good, good, good. All right, so from my perspective, I hosted a live series of Evernote courses at the beginning of 2021, and they were you know free to attend. And I was just excited and interested to show people about Evernote version 10. And so most of my 2021 has been getting used to the new version of Evernote and uh, paying attention to the to the very fast pace of updates within the software. And so I taught this beginner course, then a course that was focused on productivity systems, and then finally one that was more business-focused workflows. And that has really driven me to invest more deeply in my own Evernote workflows. Before it was kind of background that these kinds of workflows integrated and attached to other software. And I wasn't particularly concerned about them being Evernote forward or, you know, Evernote first workflows. And now I've really seen myself using Evernote more and more. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that Evernote's Google Calendar integration is just amazing. I just, I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. It causes me to open up Evernote as my first entry point into almost every meeting because I have notes about my my clients and any other meetings that I'm going to take. That's where the notes are. And that's where the information is about those people. And then to be able to create a note directly from the calendar event inside of Evernote just speeds up the process by which not only am I taking more notes, and I was already a heavy note taker, but now I'm I'm capable of cataloging those notes so much faster, capturing action items both for myself but for others, and just really moving moving forward there. The other thing that's really increased my usage is Evernote Home, and I just feel like all the ways in which I have manifested now Home as a dashboard for myself, still mostly a jumping off point for for me into lots of parts. Of, of my own productivity system that may mean even leaving Evernote, but it like all the pieces are there so I know where to jump to for that thing. I've created kind of a, a legend, so to speak, so that I know, okay, when this is when this is happening, I need to go here and do that this thing in that place. So that may take me to remember the milk or that might take me to Asana or to Trello. But now I know where those things are and Evernote is kind of that master holder of that information for me. And 
I, I will note there have been some stability issues with Evernote version 10 and synchronization issues that I've experienced over the past year, but they, they continue to go away. They keep getting, the bugs have been getting squashed and that's been really helpful for me because I'd get frustrated and I'd be like, I'm using this so much more now and I'm experiencing these little frustrations of not being able to see synchronization or otherwise. Uh, but I But now in the latter part of the year, I've seen those start to go away, which is just really a, a testament to the Evernote development team. They're working very hard to get the program stable. I'm hoping that they can make it faster uh, because you know there's some some um, speed issues on some of the platforms. So I'm just really looking for stability, speed, synchronization improvement as they as they continue to optimize the existing new. You know, they put a whole bunch of new features in, right? And so that, of course. You move faster, you're going to break a few things. And I think that's kind of what happened in the first part of the year. Now they're really starting to clean up and optimize the platform for greater usage. But that's been most of my year is really just working on these Evernote workflows and being able to tie them so deeply with the Google ecosystem for me has been really great, you know, since you can now connect Drive and Drive documents, Google Calendar documents, and just linking back and forth is just a really easy thing for me. Plus, I you know I have Evernote integrated into so many other parts of my world. It's integrated with Remember the Milk. It's integrated with Trello. It's integrated with Asana. It's just it's just everywhere that I need it to be. And so I, I'm looking forward to utilizing more of Evernote in in that way. But this year has really been really all about Evernote for me. Not that every year isn't really all about Evernote for me, but this this is actually a fairly unique year. I, I don't think I spent as much time in 2020 as I did in 2021, using Evernote really on a day to day basis the way that I have been. And that's been a really nice change for me. And I and I really do feel more productive for its use, because now so many more of my notes are captured in a place that I can I can go back to and I've actually stopped using things like good notes, I was taking notes on my iPad inside of good notes by hand quite a lot and then exporting them to Evernote because I just wanted the tactile field, especially in 2020, you know, just everything that was going on. I, I felt like, oh, this would be really nice. But now I don't even I don't even feel a draw to open up and and write by hand inside of good notes. Now I'm I'm really just going directly to Evernote and just capturing notes in that space. And if I need to draw something, well, I could do that inside of Evernote also. So, it, you know, it's just a couple clicks away. That has really made my world so much better in that sense. So if you've been thinking about note-taking software, not just Evernote, you know, OneNote and many other tools do this, Apple Notes otherwise, you know, really think through, are you taking effective notes throughout your world? And is that something that you want to kind of think about leveling up as you make your way into 2022? All right, let's do rapid fire uh, 2022 planning items. What are the things that you have upcoming for folks who do follow your work or want to follow your work, what are you doing in, in 2022 that would be of interest to folks? Art, you want to start us off? So 2022, what am I planning? Well, 2022 is going to be one of those years, again, of con kind of a bit of a consolidation, but I do have two revisits I want to push through. Aside from doing the cross-platform in these shows, um, I'm actively working on putting together a recurring newsletter starting from the idea pump site, which I've been running forever to try and help people just get access to some of the information, some of the articles I find and curate the feed in a way that it comes to them rather than them have to, having to hunt it down. So that's already enabled on the site. Now it's a matter of 
making it a regular part of the routine and the content. The second part is I'm starting to explore alternative publishing platforms. Uh, again, I do a lot of my publishing through my own site, but now I'm starting to look at things. Is it worth, for example, putting content over on Medium? Is it worth putting it putting content over on LinkedIn? So I'm going to be doing some articles and some experiments in those different channels to see if I can reach a larger group of people and help them out uh, with a lot of this content. And there's some smaller platforms that I'm looking at as well for sharing content. So this, this is going to be, at least for the first part of 2022, a little trial and error to determine what what will work and what will help and what doesn't and getting rid of the things that don't. As for the second part of 2022, who knows at this point? Fantastic. Sounds great. I've actually been thinking about a newsletter as well, just as a mechanism for being able to have a little bit more one-to-one -one relationship with folks. I, I just feel like the newsletter space is a really good space to, to be in. From a productivity standpoint, if you think about it just individually, the last thing you want to do is spend a lot of time reproducing your same content and distributing it in the same channels. Uh, you, you, you just don't want to do the rework. So I've been looking at a new tool that I've embedded into my particular site because I use WordPress as the back end for it to automate that piece so that when content is created over the course of a week, it actually queues it all up, puts it together into a newsletter and then sends it out to the people who have subscribed to it. That way they don't have to worry about, oh, did I see it in Twitter? Did I see it in LinkedIn? Did I see it wherever? It'll just wind up coming and finding them. And I don't have to go through an extension, extended amount of effort to manually curate all the different locations it needs to go. That's That's been a struggle, honestly, that I've been dealing with. And I'm hoping this helps minimize that so I can focus on the content piece rather than the distribution piece. We'll see. So it's interesting because for me, it's also social media. So I've been starting to getting back to social media. And I stopped social media mostly because it feels exactly that. It feels that I was annoying people. So, but... I decide, okay, let me go back to social media so people can know what is happening. And you can choose the channel or no channel. And there may be also a newsletter for 2022, most likely for second quarter, um, after I do the revamp of the social media. Uh, on top of that, I'm increasing the content for getting things done together with Nosby Teams, and I'm launching Transforming Your Business with Nosby Teams. So getting things done together is the basic. You know, anybody can use the Transforming. is more what I've been doing for, for a long time, that coaching, but that coaching for that person who is going to be managing the employees, the organizational productivity in Nosby Teams. Also, uh, there is a rumor uh, of a book that I've been working on, uh, with uh, Nosby and email. And there is a second book in the project on the basics of organizational uh, productivity. Um, maybe buying the first PC since 2007. No, I'm kidding on the last one. There is no PC on the planet. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Looking forward to seeing what comes out in terms of Nosby and Nosby teams. Uh, very good there. Francis, how about you? What's coming up in 2022 for you? Well, this year, I, I found myself consolidating around one message. It's just kind of new for me in, in the space. And it's that, uh, what I call the switch, which is that once you get out of the beginner stage as a productivity enthusiast, you've got to move from getting the advice from generic others 
and doing your own diagnosis and understanding what you're doing right now as the basis for improvement. So this this has sort of taken over everything I'm doing because I see it as a sort of entry point for people who want to make the most of my book and my training, my community, and ultimately the task task management and time blocking summit, which will be reprising itself or we're having a reprisal on the 3rd to 5th of March, 2022. Third one coming, third one running. Um, and most of my year is sort of, that's the highlight for the year and the rest of the year is spent kind of getting the message out, the messages that I want to get out and also building up speakers and sponsors for the summit. That's what the next year will probably look like. Fantastic. Fun, fun, fun. Lots of stuff to come. Uh, for me, I am going to be really spending a good amount of probably the, the early part of my year, but I don't think this will stop in early 2022. But I will be doing a lot of tool integration or tools integration and automation auditing. And what that means is, is that I spend a lot of time with my clients working you know, integrating tools and basically understanding their workflows. And I feel like it's time for me to do that with my own systems. And so uh, because we all have many, you know, systems and subsystems that are running our world, uh, some of them better than others. And I feel like some of my others need some improvement. And so I'll be spending some time deciding on how those tools work together. And also, how my automations, I, I'm a heavy user of Zapier as well as Ift, and there are many others now that I've been adding on to the plate, Unido. I've, I've been really pushing the envelope of a lot of these other automation tools to see when I do things, how do they both automate a workflow that is trigger one thing to do another thing to do another thing without me having to intervene, but also how they synchronize that data back to my primary systems. And so this audit, I'm hopefully you know, will will give me the underlying analysis and synthesis to be able to say, okay, these are working for me, these are not working for me, and therefore, which ones should I keep and which ones should I get rid of? Which ones should I create anew in terms of building out greater productive gains? Uh, you know, I, I can't multiply myself. And so the best I can do is to really think through what some of these tools can do in order to increase my output without me having to clone myself. Because, uh, uh, you know, I think that's probably both expensive and, and un unrealistic, uh, certainly in 2022. Uh, maybe, in, maybe in 2122, I can clone myself uh, if I'm still alive. But um, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll probably be doing just a, a, just a deeper investment altogether in my workflows across all of my platforms. I'm going to be going platform by platform and really choosing what it is that I'm using, what features within those tools that I'm using, and whether or not they are serving my needs. And I have definitely in 2021, kind of hit the upper limit of my overall workload, right? I've definitely seen myself max out in, in different categories of my world where I'm, I'm like, okay, I cannot do any more work in this space. I just don't have enough uh, you know, time, energy, resources to deal with these things. And so that has required me to go back and say, okay, these are things that are going to go. These are things that are going to stay. And now 2022 will hopefully be a little bit more balanced in a lot of ways. And I'm looking forward to that. 
And that also means though that I need to I need to more deeply invest in the features of of tools and well just features of tools that are that are serving me well. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. So that's a lot of my 2022 will be this planning and uh, you know changing of tools to make them fit the um, forward movement of what I want to do, you know, just better. I just want to do things better. And I think I've been doing them pretty well so far, but now I want to, I want to kind of level those things up. So that's pretty much my, my 2022. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. You know, I have a lot of uh, different content things that I'm thinking about as well. And, and obviously we have the uh, forthcoming uh, projects within personal productivity club. That'll be a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll announce that when they, when they come as well. So that really brings us to the end of our episode today. Thank you, gentlemen, for a lot of fun discussion on uh, what has happened and what's coming up in 2022. And so I hope everybody got a little bit of fun uh, insight into the things that the Productivity Cast team is doing. And while we are at the end of our discussion, if you have something that you want to share, feel free to jump into the conversation by visiting the ep- episode page on productivitycast.net. There on the podcast website at the bottom of the page, you can leave comments, you can leave questions, and of course, we can read and respond to those there. Uh, you can also uh, really anytime join us in personal productivity club if you go to productivitycast.net forward slash community you'll be taken to a page to sign up and join personal productivity club but by doing that you will also be joining our channel basically our group inside of personal productivity club dedicated just to productivity cast and there you can comment on episodes you can post concept content you can post questions that is and ask us questions as you need to also note that on the on the episode page, when you are um, in the in the comments, um, right above the comments are our show notes, and so our show notes cl- include links to anything that we've currently discussed in this episode. It'll also have transcripts, both one that's readable on the page and downloadable for you to be able to do that as well there. Uh, I want to express my thanks to Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on Productivity Cast this and every week. And you can learn more about them and their work by visiting productivitycast.net as well. Just click on the About Us page and you'll see links to all of their stuff there. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and on behalf of all of us here at Productivity Cast, Here's to your productive life. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.